This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Thank you. I was trying to find my pages here in the dark, and Genesis just didn't obey, and it's coming apart. Bless all of you. I'm honored to have you here. If you're guests, we welcome you. We love you. Uh, like Shelly said, if you're listening by live stream, we pray blessings on you. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high, just real high, and our ushers would get you a Bible. Once you got a Bible, go with me to Genesis 12. We'll get in the Word here in just a little bit. A couple things I want to do first. I, I just want to encourage you. I, I know there's people who've texted, emailed, done all kinds of things, wondering if we're going to have church. And I can just tell you this, there, there wasn't even a thought about having church. I'm going to have church, okay? And if you don't feel comfortable, come to church. I respect that. But I, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where there's probably a sign hanging over heaven today that says closed. Postponed. Heaven's postponed. Heaven's delayed. I can't find that, okay? And so I, I respect people if they don't, they don't want to be here because of fear. And so just some of the thoughts that I have on this, that 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, the Lord said, my people. My people, if you'll humble and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, I'll forgive your sin and I'll heal your land. So something happens when the people of God join together and we pray. And so I encourage you to pray. Father God, heal our land. My prayer is right now that this whole virus just is suffocated by the name of Jesus and it dies and goes away. And so, man, just keep praying and standing on that. Uh, I, I had a great man of God that I would read a lot of his books. His name was John G. Lake. And years ago, the, the plague was out and about. And, man, people were dying right and left. And they would get this uh, a foam or froth right here on their mouth. And they said, if you came in contact, that would kill you. Well, he would walk in the midst of the people. And he would just get real bold. And they'd tell him, you get, you get near that, it's going to kill you. And his response was this, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Better stated, he said that when that plague hits me, I'm not going to die. That plague's going to die. And so again, I just going to stir up some faith in you. We're the people of God. God's going to watch over us and protect us and he's going to bless us, okay? So that's not my sermon. We're just going there a little bit. Let me, let me give you a little touch of what happened just the men of iron took a huge step in a way that we didn't plan, but God still blessed it. And so uh, just one of the things that has really stuck out with me, I know people got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit right there on the line, but on the Friday night session, there was a young boy who came to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I didn't know this until yesterday, but I, I can still see his little face there. And he was up there, and my brother began to pray for him. And my brother looked at him and said, dude, you get high before you came here? And he goes, yes, sir. He said, I smoked some weed. <laughs> no high like a Jesus high. But he admits to it. And my brother said that he wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And his prayer was, I, I don't want to disappoint my heavenly father. And I don't want to disappoint my earthly father. And he said, when I laid hands on him to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he went, and he said, it smelled like a bale of pot that came right out of him. And he said, God began to move. And some of you would say, he got high and went to church. 
Jesus is okay with that. And I'm not encouraging you to get high before you come to church. We're not going to pass the bong today, okay? Relax, man. Where's pastor going with this? No, it's just the goodness of God. God met him right there where he was at, okay? So you're going to, yeah, clap to the Lord. Just one of the things. Again, we're going to Genesis 12, but I, I told this story on the other night, and I'm going to start with it again today, and I'm going somewhere with this just to where we're going to talk about today. But this, this happened over 50 years ago. Uh, it was me and my brother, two kids that lived on the block, and, and a, a fifth one. And we were all roughly, we believe, between 7 and 10 when this happened. But this one neighbor kid, he came down around us one day, and he said, hey, my dad bought me a bow and arrow. And we said, a real one? And he said, yeah. He said, come down to my house and check this out. So we go in the backyard, and there on the back fence is, is these bells of hay, and there's a big target. And you can see where he's been shooting it. So he begins to show us his new bow and arrow. Well, the issue was this. His dad had told him, don't you ever bring anybody down here with that bow and arrow. That's not a toy, okay? And so to start off, we weren't supposed to be there. We were there. And so he's showing us how his dad had taught him to aim it and pull it and everything. Well, one of the guys with us, he was a year or two younger than me. I I still don't know why he did this. He may have gotten a little impatient. But he said, I'm going to go around in back of the alley behind the bells. Hey, and if you happen to shoot and miss and it goes over the fence, I'll, I'll be out here to get it. Brilliant thinking, isn't it? So he goes out there. And so the guy's showing us, now this is how you pull it. This is how my dad said you aim it and everything. And right as he pulls it back and gets ready to release it, I mean simultaneously, the guy jumps up on the fence. And there are these wooden slats, so you just jump your foot up there. And he goes, when are you going to shoot? He gets him right here, right there. He falls over the fence into the backyard. Well, again, the oldest is my brother. He's 10. So we go up there and look, and it's sticking in him. Not a long way, but it's in him. And there's a little blood trickling out. Well, the guy who shoots him, he freaks. He runs in the house and jumps under the bed for two reasons. His dad told him not to do that. And two, he thought he killed him. So the younger brother, the one with the arrow in him, he sees his brother like He starts running around the backyard like a chicken with his head cut off saying, call the cops, call the cops, call an ambulance. And my brother said, get him, get him. So I run and I tackle him. Remember, we're not supposed to be there. We're going to get in trouble. So we all three go up there and we're looking at him and he's sitting there looking at us. And my brother, and I said this the other night, he's not a doctor. He stayed at a Holiday Inn, but he's not a doctor. He looks at me and he says, here's the deal. You got to go home. And get me some band-aids and get the monkey blood. Now, some of you don't know what monkey blood is, but us older ones, we know. And when he said, get the monkey blood, I mean, my little eyeballs, I said, the monkey blood? <laughs> because when you would put monkey blood on, I, I'm telling you, if the monkey blood stung you more than any cut. I mean, when they'd say the monkey blood, I mean, oh, no, no, I'm not taking And that's what it'd do. It'd stain your hands. So he said, you got to get in and out of the house without mom and dad seeing you, Okay. So I ran down there about five or six hours. I come running back. And so I give him the monkey blood and he goes, hold him down. So he's got this arrow in him right here. So I I crawl over him and I get his arms and I pin him and his hands right there. And he's looking at me and Dave said, hold him down. 
So he pulls the arrow out, and I can tell him he jumps a little. I, I knew immediately the minute that first drop of monkey blood hit him. He starts bucking like a wild horse, <sighs> snorting. And Dave said, hold him down, hold him down. And so I got him down. Well, all of a sudden, I mean, I'm this, this close from his face, and I'm looking at his eyes, and he just tilts. You killed him. The younger brother freaks again, and it all starts and everything. So after a little bit, I, I think he passed out. I really, I think the monkey blood got him so bad. So a few minutes later, my brother says, let him up. So I get up, and I look back there, and he's got two Band-Aids on him. We got him all Band-Aided up. Patted him on the back and said, go for it, buddy. You're ready to go. That's a true story. I've had people say that that did not happen. And we were around those two brothers a couple years ago, and they said it did happen. Every bit of it did. And you say, well, why are you telling that story? Well, let me ask you this question right now. What guides your life? What, what's the target do you aim at? Do you have a target in life? Do, do you allow God to guide you, or, or do we look to the world to guide us? Just telling you right now, you, you listen to the news media right now, the spirit of fear will come on you just like that. I choose to listen and believe the things of God. Psalms 119 and 105, the Lord said this, the word of God would be a, a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God. So when I read that right there, the word of God was designed to guide me. The word of God became the target I was to live for. In Romans 8, 14, it says that those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Listen to that verse in the, in the Passion Translation. This is Romans 8, 14. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the mature children of God. I'm moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So when I read this right here, what guides your life? Do you allow the word of God to be the, the, the blueprint for my life? And then you welcome and say, Holy Spirit, I, I welcome you to lead me and guide me. Now, we're going to start today in Genesis 12, and we'll begin here in verse 1, and I believe this is going to help you. I believe this is going to touch your heart. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, what, what really gets my attention here is in the end of verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. He says over and over, I. This is Father God. This is the great Jehovah. And he says, to a land that I'll show you. And I, Father God, will make you a great nation. And I, Father God, will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And all the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. Now, when I hear that, I, I'm still in covenant through what Abraham's done. I, I have a right as a born-again uh, believer to operate in that Abrahamic covenant right there. So when I pray Genesis 2, Genesis 12, 2 over my own life, I'll say this, Lord, I welcome you to bless me, multiply me, make my name great, bless me to be a blessing. So this is what God said he wanted to do for us even. 
But you know what he says to Abraham? He said, listen, buddy, I want to do all this for you. But if you don't obey, verse 1, verses 2 and verse 3 won't happen. So everything was hinged on verse 1. This this is what I got to do. And so literally he was saying to uh, to Abraham, you got to obey this. But not only do you obey it, you're going to have to step out by faith. So when I look at what he tells him in verse 1, and he says, you got to leave your country, your family, and your father's house. You begin to see something here, the the degree of difficulty. But any time there is separation, separation always brings distinction. So why did God tell him to leave his, his, his hometown, his family, and his father's house? Because they were all ungodly influences in his life. And let me ask you a question. What are the godly, the ungodly influences in your life? You want to hear my paraphrased edition? You run with the snakes, you're going to get bit. And so when I look at what he says, right, that's not easy. This is where I grew up. Those are family. That's my dad. And the reason that he told them this is this whole area, there were a bunch of idol worshipers. Now, here's something that happened to me yesterday. I, I get home from the men of iron, and, and I thought, I wonder what's on TV. Man, usually Saturday, there's great sports on. There wasn't no sports. If it was, it was reruns. I hate reruns. I know the final score. Who cares? I know what happens. I know the And, and so I begin to look at it, and this is a thought that came to me right here, and this may help you too. Has, has sports become an idol in my life? And I thought, oh my gosh, I, I'm, I'm looking for some sports. That, I mean, I was, I'm a channel surfer. Man, I can go from one to 300 just like that. There's nothing on. But has it become an idol in my life? Has it become an idol of your life? And so God was saying, listen, Abe, you've, you've got to get away from all that. Don't allow life's comfort and don't allow life's security to miss God's plan. I don't care who we are. Verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. So when I read the word Abram departed, you know what that tells me? Abram obeyed. Abram said, I don't understand everything you're telling me to do, but I'm going to step out by faith and I'm going to obey you. And so when I read that, it's obeying God and stepping out by faith because his word tells me, is that the definition of a godly man or woman? I believe it is. We're called to walk by faith. And so he departed right here. And he ends this in verse 4 and says, And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So I highlight who went with him, and the guy Lot is Abram's nephew. It was his brother's son, and his brother had died. And so Abram said, I'll bring him on with me. I'll take him with me. And so I I believe this, that as life goes on, and you can turn to chapter 13, Genesis 13, I believe that Abraham began to model to his nephew Lot, this is how a godly man lives. 
This is what a godly man does. This is how you, you, you live in faith, that I've got to come to a place where I'm going to stand up for what's right in God's eyes. I don't care what people think. I'm going to stand up for what's right in God's eyes. So he models this to Abraham or to Lot. So we go to chapter 13. And, and years have a path, uh, 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 eclipsed or gone by. He'd been 75. So I know he's not quite 100 yet, but I don't want you to think this all happened in a week. This was years. But in chapter 13, it says, Abraham was exceedingly rich in livestock and silver and gold. God likes to bless his children. He likes to bless us. When it says he's exceedingly rich in livestock and silver and gold, the message translation says he was loaded. Woo. So what happens is because Abraham is so blessed, Lot is blessed. And Lot had a bunch of cattle and ox and sheep and camels and whatever else they had in those days. He was loaded too. And so they had been blessed so much that there began to be conflict between their herdsmen. So we pick up in Genesis 13, verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brethren. Is not the whole land before you? So Abram said to him, Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. Now, Everything that Lot had accumulated, that wasn't necessarily because of him. That was because of Uncle Abraham. And so why would Uncle Abraham say, you choose first? Because when he says, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You know why he said that? It's because Uncle Abraham knew this. He said, I don't care if I'm to the left. I don't care if I'm going to the right. I'm going to serve God. And when I serve God, God's going to bless me and God's going to take care of me. So he wasn't worried. Verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw all the plain of the Jordan. He, he lifted up his eyes. Walk by faith and not by sight. He lifted up his eyes. And the reason I highlight that is because he was led by his physical senses and not the eyes of his heart. If you read into this, you'll find out that never one time in this did he pray to Father God and say, what did God do you think I should do? He never asked even Uncle Abraham. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, the prophet Samuel said, God doesn't see like man sees. God sees the heart. And so this guy, Lot, he bypasses the things of God. Goes on to say, he saw all the plain of the Jordan. It was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the, the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And then Lot chose for himself. Lot chose. No one forced him. Lot chose. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain. And he pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. 
The men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. God declares what's sinful, okay? Man doesn't. God does. And so when you see that they were exceedingly wicked and sinful before the Lord, Lot knew this. He knew this is how the people of this region was. And so when you look at it, Lot's character was revealed. Lot said, I choose money over morals. Because I, I, when he saw the water, it, 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 man, when he knew the water, all the water, it was like, cha-ching, cha-ching, I'm sending money. There's water. I got to water these livestock. So right here, you begin to see what he looked at. And so Lot chose this. Even though he knew they were sinful against the Lord. Now, to me, this is what we call a crossroad moment. Do you know every one of us have crossroad moments in life? And when I get to a crossroad moment, I'm either going to follow God's direction or I'm going to follow the wrong direction. There's only two. I'm going to follow after God. I'm going to allow the, the, the word of God to lead me. And remember, God had told Abram, this is what you got to do. He'd given him the blueprint. And so Lot knew all that also. But he's at this crossroad moment. It, it's a Matthew 7, 13 and 14 moment where it says there's two roads. There's two gates. One road is a narrow road. And it's difficult. It's not, it's not easy. But it's the road that leads to life but there's only a few on it. And then there's another road, and he said it's the wide road, it's the easy road, it's the road that there's many on it, but it leads to destruction. And so, this is what Lot chose. He chose this road. Go back to verse 12 with me, because I want to show you a little statement that I saw. And it said, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and dwelt in the cities of the plain, and Lot dwelt there, and he pitched his tent as far as Sodom. And he pitched his tent as far as Sodom. So he got close to Sodom. He began to flirt with Sodom. It's kind of like this. You know, if you get too close to a pond, you're usually going to slip in. So when it says that Lot pitched his tent near Sodom, it literally states this, that every time he opened the flap of that tent and came out, there was Sodom. There's Sodom. Day by day by day. Little by little by little, the effects of Sodom started working on him. So when he would walk out of his tent, he would see the activity of Sodom. And when he would come out of the tent later on, he would smell Sodom. And later on, he would hear the effects of Sodom. And Sodom began to, to move in him. It began to erode him. Proverbs 4. Verse 27 in the Passion. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked even for a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. That was Lot. That's exactly what Lot began to do right here. So Lot compromised his faith in order to adjust or fit into a culture. So he quit allowing God to mold him and shape him. 
And he allowed the sinful activity of Sodom and Gomorrah to begin to move in him. See, when I read that, I, I ask myself this question. What do I allow to shake me? So you turn to the book of Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18. And we know through the scriptures that sin has just gone crazy in Sodom. It's rampant. Everything is so sinful that God says, I'm going to send some angels down to check it out and see if the reports I hear are true. I, I believe when you read this, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah becomes a shadow for the second coming of Jesus. So when you see that he sends them in there to see if it's as bad as it was, the Lord said this. He said, I cannot hide from Abraham what I'm going to do. Now, why would God say, I can't hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? Well, the Bible says, because all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. Now, listen to this. And I know Abraham, that he will command his children and his household to obey my word and to do righteousness. So right here, this to me is outlining what a godly man is in God's eyes. God said he'll command his household not only to obey the word of God, but he said to do righteousness. Man, again, part of this is what I, I train my children and I teach my children. So we pick up in, in Genesis 18, verse 20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is so very grave. One translation says it was exceedingly wicked or it was so flagrant. Now, I want to highlight that to you, that the sin of Sodom was so grave. Why do I highlight that? Because Lot chose to live there. Lot said, that's where I want to live. So if that's where Lot lives, that's where his children are going to grow up. Verse 21. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it, that it has come to me, and if not, I will know. And so when you read this, what he's talking about, God was looking to see if they had a heart to repent of anything. If they would repent of their sin, and he said, if they won't, I'll know. He'll know what? Whether to destroy it or not. And so what happens here is we must understand that, that God is a God of mercy. And God is a God of love. But also God is a just God. And God will punish sin. But when you see the outcry here was against it, it confirms that God's judgment is, is perfectly weighed. He looks at that. And so things aren't good there. Do you know love isn't true love unless it's in a company with truth? True love must hear the truth. Chapter 19. And before I jump in there, let me stop here. If we were to continue to read this, Abraham begins to plead to God for the righteous. Let me remind you of the story. He becomes like an auctioneer. And, and he said, God, would you, 
would you destroy the righteous with the ungodly? Far be it from you. Would, would, would you destroy the righteous with the ungodly if there were 50? And God said, no. 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20. He got all the way down to 10. And what's incredible of that is God said, if I can find 10 righteous, I won't destroy it. Two things off of that. It's unbelievable for me to think God still listens to the prayers of the righteous. He listened to him. And I know there's Abraham's in here. I'm going to get to you here in a little bit because God's going to bless you. But the sad thing is, God said, if I can find 10 righteous, I won't destroy it. He couldn't find 10 righteous. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now, when you study the gate, the gate was always significant of authority. Always. Uh, Matthew 16, Jesus said, and the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Authority. Ruth 4, it's the gates. And so when it says that Lot was sitting at the gates of Sodom, this means that, that he had moved into a position of authority. This was a place where you see and were to be seen. This was a place of influence, and it's interesting, he's sitting in the gate. So you know what that shows? He blended in. I, I can't find this or not, but I wonder if Lot hadn't become the mayor of that city. Well, you don't become the mayor of Sodom because you stand for Jesus. You probably become the mayor of Sodom because you start agreeing with them. And so he's standing in the gate. And when Lot saw, he rose to meet these angels and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, here now, my lords, please turn in your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly so they turned into him, and he'd entered his house. Then he made them a feast, and he baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they laid down or they retired for the night, the men of the city of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. I highlight all the men of the city, the young and the old. All the men of the city. Now remember, he can't find 10 righteous. So all the men of the city are ungodly. Verse five. And they called a lot and said, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Wow. So when you see the word carnally that he's talking about here, the word carnally in, in the Greek text, it literally states the sexual immoral let me help you about the sexual immoral okay love's gonna tell you the truth buckle up if you're not legally married to your husband or your wife and you're in any area of sex you're sexually immoral in God's eyes now, man may applaud you and say, it's all right. Woo, if it feels good, do it. But you're not going to win a lot of popularity in heaven. So I've got to look at what's said through the lens of God, not through the lens of men. 
The word sexually immoral in the Greek is a word porneia. It's where we get our word pornography from. So listen what the word pornography means. It means to sell off oneself into sexual impurity. To sell oneself off into sexual impurity. So anytime you are involved in sex outside of a marriage covenant, you have just sold yourself off. So in the eyes of the word of God here, You've prostituted yourself in God's eyes. Well, I better not say that. We're live streaming. I'm not at the men of iron. You're not at the men of iron, Toto. Be quiet. Hmm. Verse 6. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and he said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. Please, my brethren. Come on, brothers, don't do that. Come on, friends. And it's interesting that the mayor of the city, and I'm just throwing that in there, he knew what they were doing was wicked. He knew what they were doing was vile. So what's his solution? Verse 8. See now, I have two daughters, if not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you. You may do to them as you wish. Dear Jesus. So he says to them, don't do this wickedly to to them, but I got two daughters who've never had a man. You can do whatever you want to them. You know what that means? It makes me want to punch my Bibles and mama say, knock you out. That's, That's crazy. So when I read this, this shows me how much Sodom had begun to fashion him. It began to callous him. Once pen translation says it vexed him. Woo. Now I will just throw this in for you. When he talks about his two daughters have never known a man, we got some serious problems with that statement, okay? Two. Number one, he's, an, he's either an unbelievable liar. Well, we got another issue. Because in verse 14, he's got two sons-in-law. What fraternity are they in? The reason I highlight this right here is because sin never shows any of us the end result. Never. Sin never says, you know, in in 20 years, this is what this is going to look like. Sin never shows us the eternal consequences. Ever. So when I look at what happened right here with Lot, that one choice, just that one choice to flirt with sin. What's the matter with a little sin as long as it's just ever now and then? Just, Just that one choice to flirt with sin. He allowed the environment to shape him instead of the word of God to shape him. And so the end consequence of this this, both of those sons-in-laws, they get wiped out. His wife gets wiped out. And the reason she got wiped out is she chose to get wiped out. You know why I say that? Because God said, I'll deliver you. But instead of deliverance, she chose uh, judgment and destruction. And that's for us today, guys. 
God, God doesn't want you to be judged and face destruction and damnation. He gives us an opportunity. And so again, what would have happened if he would have known that? What would have happened if, if he would have known that choice? Would he have made that choice? I don't believe so. I don't believe he would have ever gone there and raised his daughters in that type of atmosphere. But, but when I look with this right here, what do we got to do? Man, I got to stay with the word of God. I highlight that to you. You got to stay with the word, okay? Matthew 4, 4, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. Stand, stand with the word. Tell your children the word. Well, pastor, I just want to love them. Well, good. But love without the truth does no good. I love you, but I love you enough to tell the truth. Two, got to stay with the Holy Spirit, guys. John 16, 13, the Lord Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into the truth. Got to have the Holy Spirit. And then the third area, you got to get around the godly. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. Iron is the symbol for strength, both security and destruction. What do I mean by that? Iron's going to sharpen iron. And when you get around godly men and women, it'll bring security to you. Look, say, I'm going to serve God. But when you run with the ungodly, that iron will, uh, it will dull you where you're going to walk in destruction. So when I read this story here, what I want to highlight today is there's really two main characters in there. There was Abraham and there was Lot. Abraham allowed God to define who he was. Lot allowed the world to define who he was. See, who, who do you allow to, to define you? And I told you I want to get over on the Abrahams here for a little bit. When I talk about Abrahams, and that's men and women in this room. Th those are men and women who've served God, not just on the weekends and not just on holidays. These are people that serve God long term. Man, I want to inject some faith in you Abrahams today. God hadn't forgot you. God still blesses. He still multiplies. He still makes your name great. He still blesses you to be a blessing. And the reason I want to highlight that is because when Abraham pleaded and interceded on behalf of Lot, and I believe personally the only reason Lot made it is because Uncle Abraham prayed. And so for you Abrahams in here, don't quit praying, okay? Don't quit praying. God hears the prayers of the righteous. He hears your prayers. We, he needs the, the Abrahams and the Abrahamettes, if that's a word. He needs you to move still and teach your children the word. Teach your grandchildren the word. He sees some of you that are raising grandkids right now. It's like God is applauding you. The, the guy who's been to the church who has the book on angels, Kelly Kesselman, before the men of iron started, I said, dude, what are you seeing? And he sees angels all the time. And he said, every time I begin to pray, he said, I see these angels with all these, with keys. They'd all got all kinds of keys. And I said, what are those keys for? And he said, I don't know yet. Well, what are keys for? They're to open or to close doors. But he kept saying he saw all those keys. Now, I'm not going to tell you where that ends until a little bit later, okay? That way you better not leave. The second person in the story is Lot. 
Lot got off track. He, he quit aiming at the target. He, he got away from the instruction of how a godly man is to live. And, and so if you're here today and you've gotten off track, God hadn't forgot about you. God loves you. And so I jump back into the New Testament and in Acts 2, verse 37, the apostle Peter was preaching the word. He's preaching the word with boldness. He preached the word with so much boldness that it says it cut them to heart. The Holy Spirit went to work and convicted their heart. And then you know what they said in Acts 2, 38? They said, what do we do? Put, put Acts 2 up here. Look, look at this. Now, this is in the Amplified. And Peter answered them, and this is when they said, what to do? He said, repent. Change your views and your purpose to accept the will of God or the word of God in yourselves instead of rejecting it. So we have this thought, well, all I got to do is confess my sin and God's good with it. Well, God will forgive you, but I got to get to a place. I change the way I think. I got to get my mind renewed to the word of God. And too many times I believe this is what happens. We repent, but we don't submit to the will of God, the word of God. He said, repent, repent. And, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness and the release from your sin. The baptism of salvation and the baptism of water. Now, I can't water baptize you, but I can get you born again the baptism of salvation. So he said, listen, you got to repent. You got to get born again. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I've said this for the month of January and February. I believe in repentance. I believe in people getting born again. But where the church is messed up, we hadn't emphasized the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, John said in John 6, 63, he said, it's the Spirit that gives life. So to a degree, if I don't tell you about the Holy Spirit, I set you up to fail. You're not going to make it without the Holy Spirit. Now let me get on to something here just briefly. I, I, I repent to anyone in this room who's had this thought. Well, Pastor was a screw-up all through his teenage years. And so I can live that way. And look, he turned out pretty good. I'm sorry if I've ever misled you on that. God does forgive. And God does take messes and makes miracles. And you're looking at one. But one of the things I don't emphasize like I need to, that in all those years of sin... I left a path of pain. Pain to who? Man, I caused pain to me. I caused pain to my parents. I caused pain to my wife. Do you know in the prayer of Jabez, he said, Lord, I pray right now. You bless me indeed. You enlarge my territory. Your hand be upon me. You keep me from evil, and I cause no pain. I don't want to cause pain. I hate to cause pain. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Now, I'm going to get over to those keys here in a minute. Stand on your feet here. Some of you are getting a little nervous. Let me ease your nerves today. Remember, there's no sports on. Relax. Relax. 
if you're here today and you say, man, I, I need to repent. I need to repent. Something happens at these altars. I, I believe it's a place where people connect. So we can't repent out there? You could. But I, I believe something happens when we come and repent. And I'll, I'll tell you guys, I'll probably be one of the first ones down here. And I'll repent. I, I don't want to get out of fellowship with God. Do you need to repent? Duh. I still got a flesh. And so if you're here today, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to say, man, what would happen if we came to God and said, Lord, I, I'm sorry for this. I want to change a heart. I want a change of appetite. And so if that's you, just be bold. Say, that's me. Just come on down here. I'm going I'm to open that up. The second, man, some of you need to get born again. You need to give your heart to Jesus. Some of you need to rededicate and say, you know what? I've, I've gotten off track. I've gotten out of alignment. That may be you today. And it may be ones that say, you know what? I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit or I just need a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to let them sing here for a little bit and let's respond to him. And then we're going to get over here in just a little bit on these keys because it's going to bless you. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.